Is it anti-Semitism or anti-whiteness? The ugly truth about Generation Woke. Our country at the hands of the left is falling apart. There is no center. It is as though termites have eaten away the foundation, as we allowed so many activists to dismantle their systems of oppression, otherwise known as our heroes, our history, our movies, our achievements, our books, our poetry, our art. If America built it, it is corrupt, say the Woketopians. We've seen them edging ever so close to violence as a means to an end. We've ignored the warning signs because it was so much easier to demonize and dehumanize Trump and MAGA. And now I fear we're headed into the danger zone. We've been here before, right around the time of the Manson murders in 1969. The silent majority was waking up to what the left had become, something not unlike today's left. In March of 1970, as the Manson trials were getting underway, the New York Times wrote an expose of the radical left's underground. Quote, The outbreak of explosions at a variety of establishment targets, corporate offices, police stations, draft and induction centers, and the like, underscores a new mood among frustrated radicals. It appears to have been intensified by the outcome of the trial of the Chicago 7, as well as the various pending Black Panther trials, end quote. One letter by the Weather Underground reads as follows, quote, To work for the industries of death is to murder. To know the torments America inflicts on the third world, but not to sympathize and identify, is to deny our own humanity. It is to deny our right to love. And not to love is to die. We refuse. In death-directed America, there is only one way to a life of love and freedom. To attack and destroy the forces of death and exploitation, and to build a just society. Revolution. End quote. Charles Manson parroted these talking points to brainwash his cult. His words are indistinguishable from theirs, though noticeably less articulate. When Manson had his followers scrawl the words, death to pigs, in the blood of their victims, it was meant to throw law enforcement off track and put the blame on black radicals. For podcast listeners, a picture of the Tate-Polanski residence with the words death to pigs written in blood on the wall above a picture of... Abraham Lincoln. As horrific as that sounds, we're seeing echoes of that kind of mindset in today's young, whipped up into a frenzy they can't quite control. A few days ago, a Cornell student was arrested for making violent threats online, which have an eerie echo to the Manson family and the weather underground. Quote, If I see another Jew on campus, if I see a pig male Jew, I will stab you and slit your throat. If I see another pig, female Jew, I will drag you away and rape you and throw you off a cliff. If I see another pig, baby Jew, I will behead you in front of your parents. If I see another synagogue, another rally for the Zionist, globalist, genocidal, apartheid, dictatorial entity known as Israel, I will bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot all of you pig Jews. Jews are human animals and deserve a pig's death. Liberation by any means. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. End quote. As usual, the apologists make it nearly impossible to condemn such words. That's just cancel culture, they say. But it isn't really. Cancel culture pretended the seriousness of what we're seeing now. This is the wolf actually showing up after the boy cried wolf too many times. Michael Tracy flaunts casual disregard for what appears to be credible death threats, which are not protected speech under the First Amendment, says Michael Tracy, 
FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force has swiftly apprehended Patrick Dye, age 21, for allegedly posting some ridiculous comments on a Cornell University online forum. The shocking incident has gripped the whole nation. We won't stop until every last anonymous commenter is hunted down. Glenn Greenwald, ordinarily a voice of sanity and reason, has a blind spot when it comes to Israel. So now he too has been recast as an apologist for Hamas, and someone who is unable to see a genuine threat when it presents itself, says Greenwald. Nothing has provoked more mockery and scorn from the American right than grievances from college students and journalists of feeling unsafe due to others' views. And there's nothing that parts of the right have done more in the last three weeks than express such grievances, end quote. Zelensky might wonder why the woke didn't shut down train stations or the Brooklyn Bridge for Ukraine. The reason? Ukrainians are mostly white. The woke can't get riled up against white-on-white violence. It has to be one way, white-on-non-white violence, because that confirms their worldview. I am half Jewish on my father's side and was not raised as a Jew. I'm Jewish enough for the death camps in Germany and Jewish enough to know what it feels like to be hated for it. Being Jewish, it was always assumed was in the blood. Jews, people like Hitler insisted, were not Aryan, which essentially meant white. How is it that we've come out of the Holocaust, where Jews were put to death because of their Jewish blood, not their white passing appearance, to now see them judged as white people at long last? Because the Woketopians have, in their madness and fury, recast Israel as a white colonizer and oppressor. One thing I've always known was that no one in our society accepted Jew hatred, at least not publicly. We remembered our history and kept the protection of the Jews sacred and untouchable. Well, not anymore. The worm has turned, and an ugly face of the left has emerged. They feel emboldened to hate the Jews because they've been emboldened to hate whiteness, to want to eradicate it from the human genome, that it is a disease that lives within the American majority. Hating whiteness is easy. It's the norm, not the exception. Seeing Israelis as white and not Jewish puts them in the same group as Trump and MAGA. Once they're demonized as white, and if they don't follow the rules of the new left, it's open season on them. The woke believe whiteness is a construct manufactured to enslave black people. Whiteness gives them power in a country ruled by rich, white liberals. Their white guilt makes them easier to control, to manipulate, Turns out there's a lot of money to be made in the industry of white shame. Here is a video from the liberal hive mind. We got two wokies on a Zoom call having a grand old time, a real woke conversation for the ages, which now somehow got leaked to the internet and is making the rounds across social media. Let's get into the woke mind virus. Let's have a conversation about reparations and, of course, the woke progressive cult members. You guys are going to get a kick out of this one. Let's roll the tape. All right, folks. So take a look at this conversation between a female professional soccer player and some sort of woke progressive activist. It's, it's again displaying our own white supremacy, especially trying to slide into you, your, your DMs. Help oh, me, fix oh, me. Oh, or let me say something else. Right? Let me say something else. Cause again, I told you I'm an independent people's worker. I'm happy that your people want to give me their money and they want to support me. I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. Trust me. Thank you. But at the same time, when we start talking about intersectionality, which is white supremacy, which is gender, which is capitalism, Americans, White people, I need you to know that your money will not assuage you from your guilt. You cannot pay your way out of this. There aren't enough reparations in the world that you can pay us. 
And so you think because you write a check or you slide me something in Venmo that you're absolved and you can tell somebody, well, I gave Dr. Blay $100. I'm not racist. Dr. Blay is going to spend your $100 and still tell you that you're racist. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Most have gone along with it because how do you even begin to talk about something you can't name without sounding like a Nazi or a member of the KKK? No one would ever be caught dead standing up for white rights or worse, white power. And yet the demonization based on skin color is undeniable. Remember how all of them shamed the right for their criticisms of George Soros, calling them Jew haters and anti-Semites? Remember how Trump and MAGA were the racists, the bigots, the Nazis? Well, now they all have to deal with the fanaticism that has overtaken much of the left that has so many of them locking arms with real white supremacists, Nazis, and jihadists, finding common ground in Jew hatred. That motivates them to tear down posters of kidnapped Israelis and chant, From the river to the sea. The Jew lies is what they now believe. Many still think Israel did bomb that hospital. Hamas is mainlining propaganda through our mainstream media and social media. Turns out, they're really good at it. If somebody's coming after me and my people and my land, oh, get ready. Get ready. There's no nothing that I wouldn't do for my people. I think, obviously, it's a horrible situation, but if somebody's beating down on you over and over and over again, eventually you're going to hit back. People will say, condemn Hamas, condemn Hamas, and it's the equivalent of, like, someone who's African-American committing a crime or rioting and then going up to a random black person and being like, hey, do you condemn them? I shouldn't have to condemn someone just because they're the same color as me. Would you condemn Hamas? No. Why not? Because resistance is necessary. People will get mad at you for saying that, though. Well, that's their problem. Free Palestine! Tell us backwards! Do you hate Jewish people? No. No, no. They're the people of the book. We love we love Jewish people. We love Christians. It's not a Jewish and Christian and Muslim thing. This is a, a, a people thing. If you're a human being, how would you feel if, if people came and took over Los Angeles and kicked you out of your home? Hi, what are you going to do? Just sit there? I guarantee you the U.S. is going to fight back. I guarantee Why are you tearing them down? people were kidnapped. The West quite literally has had existential fear about how it will hoard wealth since colonialism at large came to an end and since the end of chattel slavery. But Israel provides the West with moral cover to perpetuate colonialism, imperialism, and genocide. And the West told Jewish folks that their humanity would only matter if Palestinians did not have any. And because Zionists, and I'm using the word Zionists specifically, believe and perpetuate that lie. And this moral obfuscation provides the West with cover for the fact that the West is simply pushing forth genocide of Palestinians in order to hoard more wealth. It isn't that anyone who criticizes Israel and defends Palestine is a zealot or a woke fanatic, but those who refuse to condemn Hamas have bought into the same kind of fundamentalism that drives so much of the Arab world to commit such atrocities against the Jewish people, as we saw in Israel on October 7th. It isn't anti-Semitism, the woke insist. It's anti-Zionism. But the truth is, it isn't even that. When you boil it down, it's anti-whiteness. They all speak the same gobbledygook they were indoctrinated with at our nation's public schools and universities, and have somehow managed to make most of our institutional and cultural leaders speak that same gobbledygook. 
Here is a video of people talking about whiteness. We want to grab hold of everything. And so we use mental health in these really weird ways to try to garner something that we can't have, which is exactly what this creator says, oppression. And for what? To what end? What are we looking for? The whiteness part of us is probably looking for attention, power, control. But the real authentic parts that are hiding underneath are looking for empathy and understanding. And we can get those with real, genuine mental health difficulties. We can get those without co-opting mental illness for some selfish gain. Instead of ending oppression, we want to be impressed. Like, it doesn't make sense. It does, but you know, it's foolish. Because whiteness itself, as an invention, is not based off of heritage or... I wanted to add here that whiteness is not just based on the oppression of other people. It's based on the exclusion of other people. Which is to say that unlike other racial identities, whiteness is primarily about what it is not. It's less a race than it is the absence of race. And even though we might not consciously think of it that way, we see that logic rear its head when white people express discomfort talking about race. Where we all went wrong was going along with the zealots in the first place, going along with the lie that whiteness was a disease. You might not want to call it racism because you, like me, have always insisted racism doesn't count for white people. But look at where it has led. Demonizing whiteness and celebrating every other skin color and culture is a recipe for disaster. At some point, they're going to drive many in the white majority to fight for their own white pride, their own culture, and their own identity, which is the last thing anyone wants. How it started. It all sounded kind of harmless way back when. Strange, but harmless. Here is a video of the historical construction of whiteness. First of all, we're already divided by race. Uh, and focusing on race is, is not what did it. I would say not focusing on race, refusing to grapple with how race shapes virtually everything is what keeps us divided. And that is a very white narrative. All of those narratives function to get race off the table, close the expiration, exempt the person from any further engagement, and protect the racial hierarchy and the white position with it, which is an unequal hierarchy. The challenge I want to offer my fellow white people is changing the question from if to how. So dominant culture asks if I'm racist, and I want to change that question to how have I been shaped by the forces of racism? How is racism manifesting in my life? Because it circulates 24-7, 365. None of us can be and none of us were exempt from its forces. And this is where individualism can come in. I have a particular story, but that story didn't exempt me. And so I can ask myself, how did all the things I see as unique about me set me up into the overall racist structure? Because it did. By now, it's become a full-blown industry because of all those good white liberals who will turn out in droves to absolve themselves of their sins of whiteness. Here is a video of the psychosis of whiteness. I mean, simply, it's the, the way that we talk about, about race, about the world, and we understand the world is through this idea of whiteness. And actually, whiteness is not, it's not, it's not passive. It's not something you can educate out. It is this really deeply dangerous idea, which, and I use the word psychosis because it's completely irrational. You can't change it, you can't educate it out. And it's, it's, and it's we need these ideas in order to continue to exploit the world through white supremacy. And that's it in a nutshell. 
and I, I note in your book you talk about you're well aware that it's you know it's seen and probably people easily offended by it but you're saying this is not a generalization there's a specific type of people you have in mind it's more about people it's, this is about society so the term psychosis obviously this a part of the argument is as black people were much more likely to be labeled with this idea of psychosis but actually psychosis isn't a a objective medical de definition it's really kind of made up based on uh, people's subjective ideas and my argument is because we have to live with this crazy world like when we go to work the way we have to engage with media stuff like this it makes that's what makes us go more insane right and it's not us that's the problem it's actually the wider world and the discussions we have to get into and all the oppressions that we face on a daily basis the story of Evergreen College never made the news in the mainstream, but for a few reporters on the right and people like Joe Rogan, Benjamin Boyce documented the whole thing and it's on YouTube if you want to see the prelude of the force that was about to overtake America when these baby tyrants came of age. So this is kind of like a scratch pad for the upcoming Evergreen documentary where I'm fleshing out my thoughts about things. I want to separate the editorializing from the footage and stuff, but I still need to get a grip on why the students were acting that way and then why the faculty were acting that way and try to figure out how the faculty's attitudes fed into the students and how the students' attitudes fed into the faculty. So you just saw some footage from the first day of protest, May 23rd, 2017. The same day, the same morning, one Evergreen student wrote, posted on her Facebook wall, hey white people, just a reminder that we're not in a position to have discussions or debates on what racism looks like. We are the oppressor and cannot speak for those we oppress. Brett Weinstein and his students here at Evergreen just made it abundantly clear the lack of understanding around that. I'm talking about all about him. On terms of white privilege. This is not a discussion. You have lost that one. I am talking about terms that serve the truth. Those are the terms. <laughs> we are in a position to listen, be accountable, and act on the needs of people of color. That's it. If we need further education, we can use Google. Don't expect POC to explain everything to us, and don't expect POC to hear what we think or emotionally console us. How does somebody who's college age come upon those ideas? I mean, they have to come from somewhere unless they are able to generate that kind of twisted mentality on their own. Well, I have plenty of precedent for this behavior. To quote Lisa Sweet in 2015. This I believe. Evergreen is a place that is as deeply implicated in perpetuating white privilege and white supremacy as any other institution. When faculty aren't trained to address dynamics of inequality in classrooms, we expose students of color to oppression. And white students can't learn to examine their own racism and white fragility. It would be one thing if it was confined to intellectual and academic spaces where they could tinker with their utopian diorama. 
but they've got an army of militants just waiting to once again take to the streets and use violence as a mean of intimidation and persuasion. going to be a good political event. They looked forward to hearing lawmakers and supporters speak inside the Capitol to mark the president's first 100 days in office. The two guys who were blocking me out grabbed hold of the back of my backpack and flung me down the stairs. But John Wise and Dee Dee Buckley had no idea how hard it would be to get there. I fell on my right shoulder, my right hip, and my right knee. What are you doing? Wise says his cuts and bruises came shortly after another Trump supporter. Was pushed to the ground and kicked in the head. Oh, we got this video that is so disturbing, and I, I don't know about you. When I saw this, the first thing <coughs> I thought was Reginald Denny. Uh, yeah. A, a mo motorist it dragged out of Denny. his car, uh, and what you can you're going to see in this video, you're going to hear people yelling, "You vote for Trump, this is what you get." Uh, and this man was beaten severely, and his car was stolen. Watch. You The violence we saw in 2020 was just a prelude of what's to come. Videos that make the woke zealots look bad were never turned into big stories by the media. If anything, they were excused and encouraged. No wonder they lost their minds. Here's a video of BLM protesters demanding a diner raise her fist. They have to always confirm the driving narrative that whiteness remains the world's greatest evil and that our sympathies must lie with the non-white. Even now, acts of violence are completely ignored by the mainstream media if the victim is white or if the perpetrator is black. Here's a video of a man attacked by a group of teens in Long Beach. A Long Beach man left bruised and recovering. He says he was attacked for no reason by a group of teenagers. That attack happened last week in downtown Long Beach. Tonight, KCAL News reporter Leslie Manin spoke with him about why he fears this could happen to someone else. The facial injuries are the worst. You can see the bruising around Joe Kramer's eyes and the cuts on his legs as he runs down a list of his injuries. I have a broken sinus, a maxillary, which is basically just a face plate a broken orbital socket, and then in my jaw I have clicking, I have loose teeth. But the worst injury isn't a physical one. Like I'm scared to go outside, you know? Uh, I'm looking over my shoulder, just walking down the street. Kramer was less than a half a mile from home, walking home from the gym, when he says he was approached by a teenage girl who said she needed help. He then walked in front of this apartment complex, and that's when he says he was surrounded by nearly 15 teenagers. It was on, punches and kicks coming from everywhere, especially my right side, um, backpacks being swung at my head. Kramer says during the attack, he was hit in the face with something and lost consciousness. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Joe, if you don't get up right now, you're going to die. I was waiting, honestly, for a gunshot or a knife stab into my body. Kramer says the beating stopped thanks to two men who walked out of the apartment complex on Ocean Boulevard. 
but not before he says the teens took his cell phone. My life flashed before my eyes. I thought about my son, my parents. Kramer is the father of a six-year-old, a former college football player who coached high school football for nearly a decade in San Diego. It's very, very disheartening. Um, it makes me feel like um, we're losing our society. We're losing our, our youth. We're losing our future. Since the attack on October 3rd, Kramer says he has seen the teens around downtown Long Beach. The summer of 2020 was proof that the woke fanatics had morphed into a massive army that stretched all across the globe. A revolutionary force that no longer cared about the presumption of innocence or due process. Whiteness now meant you were guilty of racism without any way to defend or prove it. When angry mobs gather outside courthouses and threaten violence, we lose the very fabric that holds this country together. As Brett Weinstein, the professor persecuted at Evergreen, says, quote, If the woke revolution ended tomorrow, it would take at least two generations to clear the damage from the essential systems of the West. These kids are learning. They aren't learning how to think, but how to get what they want with credible threats. Imagine you're on trial for a notorious crime of which you are innocent, and one of these kids, now all grown up, is representing you but doesn't like your politics, or the judge, prosecutor, and defense attorneys all agree that your adherence to some belief that nearly everyone shared at the turn of the 21st century makes you very bad. And so the facts of your case are beside the point because society is better off with you safely locked away. The madness is already affecting the courts. At some point it will dominate them. And there can be no West without impartial courts obligated to follow rules that favor no one. We must rekindle the West immediately. End quote. There was no chance Trump, the January 6th protesters, or Derek Chauvin could get fair trials. They were judged and condemned for their affliction of whiteness, which is now the witchcraft of our modern age, spectral evidence that points to guilt, and one must confess and beg for absolution as the only way out. Trump has refused to capitulate, so they keep coming. There is very little sympathy from the public because they think back to the decades when black men not only couldn't get fair trials, but we're often hanged just for the crime of being black. But our past cannot define our future. The only silver lining is that we might be finally seeing the last gasp of the woke, at least in terms of institutional support. The funds are drying up, they're losing their jobs, even the politicians are starting to turn away. As Megyn Kelly explains, The only good news to come out of this mess in the Middle East is that domestically, we are witnessing the collapse of wokeism. It's happening real time all around us. The woke left has been exposed in spectacular fashion as a complete and total fraud. The very people who harassed us for years about our speech by demanding jobs be taken, SAT scores be thrown out, businesses be shut down for virtually any imagined offense that allegedly dehumanized a minority have all gone silent on the open threats and attacks on Jews. They claimed that hate speech should be banned, even rendered unconstitutional, because they said it's violent. They claimed that they needed their own safe spaces where they would be centered and not subjected to triggering ideas and arguments. They told us intent to harm or intent to offend did not matter. All that mattered was the effect of one's words and effect alone would determine whether one's career, academic record, or ability to function in polite society could continue. Now, 
with Jew hatred, actual Jew hatred and scorn, and threats as explicit as kill the Jews all over college campuses, they say absolutely nothing. The BLM crowd, Ibram X. Kendi, Ta-Nehisi Coates, not only fail to condemn these behaviors, many in this woke crowd have participated in them and celebrated the Hamas atrocities against Israel. University presidents allow the Jew hatred to be spewed on the campus quad. Jewish students are being assaulted, scared, encircled, and harassed, threatened, forced to stay inside so that they can live. And these sanctimonious safe space warriors are too chicken shit to lift a finger to protect them. Instead, these same universities that canceled professors for challenging college dogma about race or gender are now suddenly trying to restyle themselves as free speech warriors. We would never punish students for their controversial opinions. That's not who we are. Even if those opinions happen to be, hey, hey, ho, ho, the Jews on campus have got to go. (laughs) They've given up the game. They never meant any of it. It was all a ruse to gain control over the rest of us, over the job market, over the politicians, over corporate America that does the hiring. And now we see these are not good-hearted, well-meaning souls embracing the struggle of the minority. They are grifters, frauds, liars, and entitled brats. They have been exposed and they will suffer. Many of us knew who they were before this, but for those that did not, it's over. Any tolerance of these woke warriors will soon be just a distant memory. They have proven themselves to be dastardly. They are dishonest. And they have revealed themselves as truly dangerous. In other words, the jig is up. The DEI mandates will disappear. And at some point, we'll all get back to being Americans, not defined or demonized for our skin color. But they're not going to go gently into that good night. They will rage, rage against the dying of the light. I fear the worst is yet to come. Sooner or later, Hamas was going to find a way to exploit the woke. Our arrogance on the left has proved catastrophic for our standing in the world. Most notably, our government's obsession with persecuting a former president. As we speak, they're trying to subvert democracy and remove Trump's name from the ballot in Colorado. Good luck with that one, you idiots. But worse, our generation of woke fanatics have turned out to be the most easily influenced, easily radicalized people in the world. Putin and the Russians figured it out back in 2016. Just start up a phony Black Lives Matter group on Twitter called Black Matters US and Black Fist, and it was easy to turn the left against itself using race and racism. The Chinese have figured it out too. They call them the Baizu. To all my liberals out there, we have a term in Chinese called Baizu. In Chinese, Baizu means a naive, educated Western person who advocates for peace and equality only to satisfy their own feeling of moral superiority. A Baizu only cares about such topics such as 
immigration, minorities, the environment, and LGBT, while being obsessed with political correctness, to the extent that they import backwards Islamic values for the sake of multiculturalism. The Chinese see the Baitul as ignorant and arrogant Westerners who pity the rest of the world and think that they themselves are the saviors of that world. Are you a Baitul? Check yourself. Both China and Russia are allied with Hamas, in case you didn't know, which kind of means we're already fighting a world war of sorts. All of them have found a way in, a way to destroy America by infecting the minds of the young. And all of us adults who should have known better have been complicit. The whole thing comes full circle with this post from a Hamas influencer. For podcast listeners, a tweet from Suleiman Ahmed that says, Israel are Nazis, Israel is ISIS, and a picture of a swastika. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know if we're headed for hot war. We don't know how bad the attacks on Jews will be worldwide. The one thing we do know is that this country has to be led by people who still believe in it, in its promise, in its people, in its dream. Without that, there is no point to America at all. Thanks for listening to my podcast, sashastone.substack.com. I apologize if you heard any noise. There is construction around, and it has been a challenge to get a clean recording. Stay safe out there, and remember, to thine own self, be true. the man and now that pain's resurfacing Brooklyn don't feel the same maybe I'm the one who changed or the one to blame another dream down the drain and ten more before I get on that plane I swear I knew just what to say it's all there on the tip of my tongue but I don't feel good enough for anyone but I won't unfold I know cause I, 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 I got this feeling Like an order